Hello, and welcome to the Private Corporate Council podcast. My name is Mary Kogut Lowell. I'm a business attorney, director of the PCC program, and host of the Private Corporate Council podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome. My name is Mary Cannon. I'm a business attorney and co-host of the Private Corporate Council podcast. Are you an entrepreneur? Private Corporate Council membership is a lot like having your own in-house council. Members have unlimited access to a trusted attorney who is also your one-to-one private business coach. Our clients will tell you that business is better when you don't have to go it alone. Yep. And as business attorneys, we deal with a wide variety of businesses and business owners, which can include entertainers and others in the entertainment industry. And let's make no mistake, if you're working and promoting yourself as a singer, entertainer, songwriter, you're in, the, you're in the entertainment business. Unfortunately, however, many entertainers are often underpaid and taken advantage of, especially when they're just starting out. And here's a real life example. About three years ago, a documentary call, came out. It was called The Boy Band Con, The Lou Pearlman Story. The film tracks the life of the famed boy band impresario Lou Pearlman who created the mega bands InSync, Backstreet Boys, and others. And InSync and Backstreet Boys were among many who ended up suing Mr. Perlman, claiming he kept a grossly disproportionate amount of money earned from their music. Now, how did this happen? Well, band members trusted Perlman, and they signed contracts that were extremely unfair to the band members. Right. Um, and it reminds me of another recent example, Taylor Swift. She's one of the biggest artists right now. And even with the kind of clout that she has today, uh, nonetheless, she was taken advantage of earlier in her career. And so she does not have control of her own master recordings. Mm-hmm. Allegedly, the record label wouldn't even allow her to sing her own songs at an award show, um, nor license her music for a Netflix documentary. Uh, she was running into a lot of issues with that. And then the label sold her masters to Scooter, Scooter Braun, I'm sorry, who's someone that Taylor described as a music industry bully. She started recording her music over from scratch to actually be able to own her own masters and mm-hmm. have control of her music again. Great. That's a great example. So let's discuss some of the business and legal issues that entertainers may encounter and techniques that they can use to help avoid legal problems. Our guest today is attorney and mediator Nicole Weaver. She's a member of the Florida and California Bars. Nicole has worked as an artist, a corporate executive, and legal representative in the entertainment industry and brings a level of empathy and understanding to all sides of a legal transaction that does not typically exist with the average entertainment attorney. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you. Hi, Nicole. Hi, thank you. Welcome. It's so great (laughs) to have you here. We'd love to hear a bit more about your background in entertainment and your entertainment law practice. Uh, Sure. Tell us, how did you get into entertainment law? Uh, Well, when I was much younger and much skinnier. (laughs) We know know the feeling. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I worked as an entertainer and model, um, so I had a little bit of industry experience as far as that was concerned, but I I wasn't the sort that wanted to stay in front of the camera. I wanted to stay behind the camera. I liked the art. I also liked um, law. So I wanted to find a way to combine the two. Um, My my grandfather was the first trial lawyer for the NAACP. So I always had this passion for the law. Um, And I was like, well, I like doing this and I like doing that. Let's see if we can put my hands together and make it work. (laughs) 
Um, so I went down that path and decided, well, I don't know what any of that means, so I need to get an internship and figure it out and learn along the way. Uh, so I worked with um, an entertainment attorney here in town called Chris Qualman, um, and he and I worked together. Uh, he, he actually worked with the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC uh, way back in the 90s. <laughs> I'm dating myself here. Um, and uh, I did ha happen to meet Lou Porman just briefly uh, one time. So I do, I, I do have that experience as well. <laughs> um, Lucky you, Nicole. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I've met him as well. <laughs> Except that I was, yeah, I was one of the attorneys involved, you know, in litigation with him. So I know, I know him through well, some didn't, litigation. Didn't he uh, throw a big fit inside the office or something like that? I mean, he's an infamous figure in the entertainment industry, kind of like Scooter Braun is today. Yeah, and mm -hmm. it's in, it's interesting that we, you know, that so many of us have had had over the years had contact with with Luke Borman. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a, it's a small world in the entertainment law area in Orlando which is part of the reason I also try to do mediation um, because if you are at war with somebody in this industry, it's such a small industry in Florida that you may lose out on business because you have not, um, you know, kept that, that relationship going. Mm -hmm. um, and mediation can sort of solve that problem. Like if you've had a contract and both of you have put together, you know, like do-it-yourself contracts or something to that extent, um, then you, uh, you know, neither actor is the bad actor. They just had two different interpretations of the same contract. Um, and by saving that relationship mm -hmm. through mediation, you're able to continue working in this industry, working in the area without having problems. Right, so t tell us more about what, what kinds of matters you've handled um, in the entertainment world. It feels like a little bit of everything. Um, anything from uh, licensing music for films, which is what, what I did for Sony Pictures. That was my uh, last internship and, for, and first job, technically speaking. Um, and uh, I did, I did a lot of that, licensing music for films, licensing music for uh, video games and that type of thing. Um, also did several things like life rights, um, location agreements, anything that you need for film and television to bring your vision to fruition. I'm, those are the type of things I've done. Uh, modeling, acting, uh, contracts. I was explaining to you guys earlier that I had a client who was on HGTV and I negotiated his contract and then um, tried to try to save it when things were falling apart for him. So interesting. Yeah. Do you have any advice for young artists or athletes who might be watching who perhaps have not had the opportunity to hear from an entertainment attorney? Absolutely. I would the, the first thing I would say is try don't try to save money by doing it yourself. Um, a lot of times people think, oh, well, you know, it's so expensive to hire an attorney a lot more expensive to hire them to fix the problem than it is to solve the problem in the beginning. Um, so that would be, I think, probably my main advice and read and understand mm -hmm. the contracts that you're signing. Um, there's, Amen. <laughs> there's so many times where people are taken advantage of. Um, one of the things that I noticed was that a lot of the contracts were in English, but a lot of the artists were Latin and only Spanish speaking. Um, so it, you know, I don't know if they did end up hiring an attorney who did understand their contract in English or they didn't, um, but I noticed that was a pretty big... To me, that's <laughs> unconscionable, and I think it brings up issues of enforceability. 
can you enforce a contract when uh, it's presented that way to someone who doesn't even speak the language and isn't given the proper warning? Well, they might, they might have been. I'm sure they had every opportunity to hire somebody, but at the same time, I, I just noted that as, oh, huh, interesting. I wonder right. if they understand what they're signing. And there's so many times where people are just so excited to have that first gig, that first job that's in the entertainment field that they just sign on the dotted line. They don't even read it. I think that's so true because a lot of times young artists are working for free. Mm -hmm. um, they want to be discovered. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, uh, you know, they're actually very vulnerable in that sense. They um, Absolutely. are prime for someone like, let's say, Lou Perlman, who's potentially seen as a predator in the industry to kind of take advantage of them. Absolutely. And you mentioned mediation. How does, uh, I mean, can young artists and entertainers, you know, what should they know about mediation? Maybe a lot of them never even really heard of it. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, um, you can have a mediation clause in your contract. So that's one of the things that I like to make sure it goes in every single contract that I draft is a mediation clause. Um, arbitration is a secondary option, but I definitely prefer mediation. Um, because it's, it is where a third-party neutral sits down with both parties and helps you to reach a mutually agreeable contract. And you can find creative solutions that you could not find in court. Court mm -hmm. is a win-lose situation. Uh, if you go to mediation, you, ha you have the potential of having a win-win situation because, like I said, several people... Um, get into contracts that they've drafted up themselves. They've, they've picked from different things on the internet and put together a contract that they didn't understand. Um, and people have different interpretations of it. Once you get the emotions out of that, that, oh, you're, you're just, you know, it's right here what you said. You know, this is, this is what we agreed to. But there are two different interpretations of the same paragraph. Mm -hmm. Once you can get past that, you can get these. These are creative people. They'll sit down in a room and get creative. So it's really nice to be able to get that, like once you get that emotion taken care of, get them back in the room, have a discussion, and figure out, like brainstorm and try and figure out a situation that would work for everybody. Right, and because I know a lot of times people who haven't experienced litigation don't know how costly and time-consuming it can be. And when emotional. I say, yeah, costly, not just financial costs, mm -hmm. there's, there's an emotional cost. Mm -hmm. And so I know I usually tell people, if you can mediate a dispute, you know, do it because that's, a, you know, a litigation is is a good alternative, but it should be your last resort, really. If you mm -hmm. can resolve something privately, that's a much better way to go. And right? it's confidential, too, so then you don't have, you're not sort of airing your dirty business laundry, mm -hmm. you know. I think that's a great point, and mm -hmm. it's also a way to maintain some control over your life rather than hand it over to a judge. Exactly. At least Absolutely. in mediation, you have a say, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Nicole. We're yeah. moving on now to our topical news segment, and we'd love to get your thoughts on this sure. one. So speaking of Taylor Swift, a judge recently dismissed a lawsuit against her claiming she stole song lyrics about how players are going to play and haters are going to hate. <laughs> uh, after a five-year legal battle, the court opined that American popular culture was, quote, already heavily steeped in the concepts of players, haters, and player haters. <laughs> I love when judges get to write fun opinions like that. Mm -hmm. uh, the judge said that the lyrics players gonna play and haters gonna hate lack the creativity and originality for copyright protection. Pretty interesting, right? What do you all think? I, I agree. That, that's, that's, that was an interesting take on it. It's the, 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 for lack of a better explanation, the it's too deep in the zeitgeist of right. hearing those words and you, you, 
I say it to my husband all the time. We, we joke all around. <laughs> we, we say play or play on. <laughs> so, nice. Exactly. So it's something that's in the zeitgeist. It's something that's in common speech. Um, so I, I, I think I agree with the judge's opinion. I tend to agree as well. I'm just um, surprised it took five years to come to a conclusion like that. But that's sometimes how it works. And that's another reason to stay away from litigation, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. It took five years. I did, I, that I did not know <laughs> that it started five years ago. And I agree. So I think we're, we're unanimous on this one. <laughs> on this one. So today we talked about entertainment law, common pitfalls that entertainers need to look out for, and ways that entertainers can help protect themselves legally. Before signing off, I would like to thank the Private Corporate Counsel Program for making this podcast possible. For more information about Private Corporate Counsel membership, including unlimited communication with your attorney and monthly private coaching sessions for yourself or your team, please call 877-647-7887 or email us info at privatecorporatecounsel.com. In our next episode, we'll be talking about the art of delegation and tips to avoid executive burnout. <laughs> okay, and thanks again to Nicole for joining us today. Thanks, Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you the next time. Please continue listening to our podcast to learn more. Contact us at 877 647 7887 or email us at info at privatecorporatecouncil.com to learn more about the Private Corporate Council program and how we can help you and your business on your journey to success.